everyone. Welcome back to the All Nighter Podcast. This is our second episode, and today we want to talk about, in general, education and why we chose KU, um, and for me, CU Denver a little bit later. Um, and we also want to talk about kind of what mentors looked like for us, uh, what we did in terms of uh, working in different programs, how we learned. Um, and it's going to be pretty general today, and we hope to go into more details in later episodes. And our next episode, we also want to talk about practice in general and then go into more details. So that's kind of what we're looking at in the future. Um, but to start things off, I'm going to ask Aaron and Jordan, uh, why they chose KU, um, what they saw in the program and what they researched in terms of what other schools looked like, what they're teaching, um, and kind of what they've heard as well. So I'll kind of start with Aaron and then Jordan can go after him or whatever works best. Yeah. So for me, I'm probably a bit of an unusual case when it came time for me to pick schools because I actually did very, very little research. So Ever since I knew that I wanted to be an architect, I had my aunt who went to the University of Kansas kind of pushing me to go there because um, she was involved in the art programs there and she knew a bit about the architecture program and had several architect friends that went through the program there. Um, and so she's, you know, for the past, I don't know, seven or eight years, she's just kind of been nudging me to go to KU, following her footsteps. And so I didn't end up doing a whole lot of research. And looking back on it, I'm very glad that I ended up at as good a school as KU is. Yeah, it's pretty lucky. Um, <laughs> but there, there's really only two schools that I applied for, um, KU and Iowa State. And then when it came, I got into both. Um, but when it came time to make the actual decision, ultimately it came down to which one was going to be the better financial decision. And so the truth is, for me, I didn't actually have much of an idea of um, what the different programs entailed. And I still don't know a whole lot about Iowa State's program. I think it's a pretty good program. I've, I know a few people that went there, but I think it's a pretty decent program. Yeah. So that was pretty much my how I got into KU. I think it's always interesting because the first time that I stepped foot on KU's campus was for orientation. I never visited the campus beforehand. Um, if you ask just about anyone else in the KU architecture program when they were first coming to check out the school, they always talk about the story of having to draw their shoe. Yeah. Um, I never did that. I feel like I'm one of the only people you that never do did that because I know no, people that, first... that never visited, but they like they made them come and draw their shoe. That's hilarious. They never. They never asked me to do oh. that. The only thing, the only thing, only time that I really met with them prior to uh, to like actually committing and going for orientation was when KU um, came to St. Louis and they held an event with like representatives from a whole bunch of different um, different schools. And Mike Swan, the I guess he's what the associate dean, associate assistant dean, something like that something like that. He was there. And so I got to talk with him briefly, but at that point, I'm pretty sure I already had my acceptance into the program. So yeah. Very cool. What about you, Jordan? Um, so I did a little more research than Aaron did. Um, I mainly looked at uh, KU and then also Arkansas. I, I 
physically visited both of those schools. Um, I also looked at some other schools in the area. There's not a ton of architecture schools in the Midwest, or at least located like right around where we are. There's KU, K-State. Um, I guess there's Washington University in St. Louis. Um, I believe Oklahoma has an architecture program. So is Oklahoma State. Um, I think I only looked at Oklahoma. I looked at Texas Tech and Texas as well. But Texas is like a really prestigious program. Yep. And it's really hard to get into. Um, actually, uh, someone I uh, that went to my high school, he's a year older than us. He He's like really super smart. Um, smart kid and really talented. He applied to get into the architecture program at Texas and he didn't make it. So I was like, oh, well, if he, if he didn't make it, there's probably <laughs> not a very high chance I'm making it. So I was like, yeah, probably not worth the, worth my time to look at it. But um, yeah, I mainly looked at KU in Arkansas. Um, I actually almost went to Arkansas. Their, their program, it's, I think maybe from, the teaching standpoint it's kind of close to KU's um I think they they're a slightly different style of teaching but you know when I visited I loved Arkansas's campus but I visited their architecture program um and this is after I'd already visited KU once and they um it wasn't quite as accommodating so like in our in our studios we all have our own desks there you have to share your desk with okay. someone else who's in a different studio. Hmm. So that's rough. Yeah, I don't know how exactly that works out when you're like working late in studio. If you are both at the same desk, you obviously can't keep your stuff there. Um, so I was like, Oh, that don't quite like that. Um, everything else was kind of on par in terms of like the facilities they had. Um, but their program is, a five-year bachelor's and it's almost the same amount yep. of credit hours that k uses so i was like well that's that's kind of um i just didn't really like that it was like well why can't you just do make it a master's if it's gonna be that many credit hours seriously um and it, yeah yeah because like masters it it'll technically get you more money and employment like way down the line um but yeah i was like you know, KU's got the masters. Um, and I really liked, um, how, cause Mike's one, when you visit and he takes you around the, the school on your visit, he really sells the program really well. The lady that, um, met with us at Arkansas, she really didn't sell it that well, but I don't think she was the person that usually gives a tours wasn't there. So I don't think she usually gave the tours. Yep. So maybe that was a bit of a disadvantage, but Arkansas also would have been um, more expensive for me. Uh, I think they have some sort of exchange program thing where you can, if you're out of state, you can get a lower tuition based on like your ACT and GPA. And I could get it close to what in-state is there, but it would still be more expensive than yeah. what KU's was. And KU's program, um, it's a really good program. Um, they sold it. And Mike Swan really sold it well, really but what, what did he say about it that sold it? Well, you um, just kind of like talked about how successful some of the students are, how they really push the students. Um, and me personally, 
when people talk about how hard something is, it's going to be really hard. You got to be really committed and dedicated to it. And, you know, it's like kind of a challenge. So I kind of uh, really bought into that. Yeah. Um, and, so, I think- and then also, you know, there's also the added effect that, you know, KU's right down the road. It's my dream school. And oh, yeah, 100%. You know, it's a good program right there, you know. Um, that's probably that's also re- yeah, the reason know. I didn't look at K State just because I can't. I don't think I could bring myself to go to K State. Um, <laughs> they also have a, a decent architecture program there. Yeah, they do. Um, but I just yeah. can't bring myself to go to K State, so I had to go to KU. Yep. No, that's a good choice. And yeah, for yeah. me, it was I was living in St. Louis, obviously, and I was looking at K State, KU. Those were the top two, and then I did look at University of Texas. And that's the the Austin one. And then I, yeah. I was in St. Louis. So I looked at Washington University. But the only thing that that's deterred me from expensive. that. Oh, it's so, so expensive. And I was trying to see if Isn't I could like get like 50 grand tips. a year? Yeah, something like it might be more like 60. But that is, I think that's an important factor for a lot of these kids. So it's hard to say, oh, choose a school based on how good the program is. Because sometimes you just yeah. can't afford it. Like you can't go. But what's close? What's in your state? What's there? Um, I think that's well, yeah. That's another thing with the University of Texas, right? Because I looked at it, but it, U- University of Texas is also extremely expensive, especially if you're out of state. Yep, exactly. That's why I didn't go there either. Yeah, and architecture is already it's an expensive, expensive mm-hmm. thing to get into. You buy all the materials and supplies, and don't, yeah, you don't need materials. You don't, don't so got to pay for any textbooks, but you you more than make up for that in the <laughs> supplies you buy for your models. Don't exactly. don't scare off yeah. these potential architecture students yet. <laughs> hey, you know what? This is all the stuff Mike Swan was telling me, and it made me want to do it more. No, so. But it's true. Like people need to realize, like, sure, it's a hard profession, and there is like school is very hard. It gets expensive because of all the materials and all the programs, the high end laptops you need, and that's something we can talk you about can later. Put in a ton of work on a project and get absolutely exactly toasted. But it becomes, and we'll talk about it more, but it's just, it becomes a love, a passion that we have for it. Um, but for me, I ended up, I, I visited KU and saw the facilities. I went to K-State and I literally told my parents on campus, I was like, I'm not going here. I don't care. I don't care if the program's good or not. I don't like it. So <laughs> went to KU, loved it. And uh, But in terms of like software, what kids are learning, the, the one thing I kept hearing is that the success rate of students that get out of KU was pretty high. And you see, and as, yeah. as I went through it and I, my family was living in Denver, I went back to Denver and I started visiting other firms. And one thing that was funny is that a lot of people at work, like at least one or two people in all these firms went to KU. And even mm-hmm. some went to K-State. Like, it's it's kind of crazy that I – mean, and Denver is a place people want to be, too, and go other places. But it's just – it's weird that KU – it's not weird, but it's a good school. So they produce good work and good professionals. Yeah. Uh, so that that's important, too. I think that's there's, something there's that – And KU grants down in Texas. Yeah, exactly. And these – for the students that yeah. will be listening to this podcast, you guys need to look at – kind of the success rate of how many people are coming out profession wise and what firms they're at, what projects they're working on, like what that looks like. Um, but then also in the end, it's about how far you push yourself to. Um, so then that kind of leads me into CU Denver. I ended up switching because when I looked, oh, I forgot to mention, I, I looked at the environment, environmental, ar- I think it was called environmental and architecture program at, at uh, CU Boulder. And 
it was a four-year bachelor's and oh, then like environmental two- design yeah environmental that design what that's what it was yeah. i don't think it, they they don't technically have architecture yeah it's not right? technically architecture but all i'm seeing a lot of architects here in denver and they all went through that program and i mean some of them are successful some not so much but it's it's funny that a lot of people went there but that was one of my decisions but mainly because i wanted to be in colorado with all my heart like I, that was the place i wanted to be but it's i felt like louis yeah, and from St. Louis. Established yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but He's then ended Denver. up going to KU and <laughs> went there for a year and a half. And I ended up talking to Greg, and he had told me, he's like, KU is a superior school than CU Denver, so be careful with that decision if that's the route you want to go. But at the same time, if you go to CU Denver, you're surrounded by that urban context or kind of city context, and it's – that's what's that's what you would have to make out of it that opportunity um but then also i want to be with my family and my friends there and just kind of in the end what my advice given to me was and what i think the people who are listening to this who are thinking about architecture school is that choose a school that kind of fits you and your personality and where you want to be location wise Um, But then at the same time, like, sure, you want a higher end architecture program, but in the end, you can make yourself into what you want to be. It's work ethic. A lot of it, yeah, it's it's just down to how hard you're going to work. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And I think that same thing applies to when it comes to the cost. Like you can look down on on cheaper schools that might not be quite as good, but if you put in the effort, you can still be successful at a cheaper school. No, that's... I mean... One of the most famous architects, Frank Lloyd Wright. I mean, he didn't even have an education and graduate from college. Yeah, exactly. A lot of these famous architects that people I would not recommend that now. But... <laughs> well, yeah, not now. <laughs> would not recommend doing that now. But this, I'm just saying, it, it used to yeah. be that there just wasn't even an education for it. So no, that's true. And I guess this is a topic because this is kind of generalized and we can talk about this late in later episodes, but you kind of see schools. The the one main one is Cyarc, the one in California. And that school is so it's almost like one word could be conceptual or very, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's, it's very different. theoretical, theoretical. Yes. And it's different than other architecture schools. Cause KU, would you say is more, well, practical. K, KU is very theoretical. It's more it's more about the theory than it is. Um so like the way the way I've understood it and the way people talk about it is that we focus more on the theory and concept of your design more than like producing the images for yeah. it, I guess is yeah, yeah, yeah. the best way to say it. Because when knock on KUs our portfolios aren't very good it's not like that it's not necessarily the projects themselves are bad like the concepts are bad it's just the representation of them mm-hmm. isn't up um to par with some other schools that focus more on that end um because in their portfolios their concepts may not in design or their designs and concepts may not be as strong but their representations far better exactly so that's kind of how ku's yeah. philosophy is um and that kind of varies from school to school i know um, Texas focuses a lot on graphical representation because they put out like a, this big portfolio of, uh, of all their students work and it looks really good, right. <laughs> a lot better than what, what we produce, mm-hmm. um, at the level those kids are at. So, yeah, honestly, I would say that that's my biggest complaint with the program at KU is just how little they teach you about representation. Yeah, I think it, 
it would be better to do that. But, you know, you look at it, where are you going to fit that in with all the credit hours we have? We have 180 credit hours. Yeah. And... That's credit hours. And I've, I've heard rumors that they're trying yeah, to reduce that yeah, number. But I'm like, as well, it is. Reduce so... it. you know, it's like, I feel like some of these classes are pretty necessary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they are. Um, but I mean, there's so many classes. There are so many classes that aren't necessary. Like, it's just so frustrating. Like all of the, the KU core classes. I'm not learning anything through those. I don't remember a thing from Western Civ. <laughs> exactly. You like, have to take one right now. I think you so what to I'll take say, one Western Civ class. And I took two. Yeah. I had, I had to take two. And then the next they, semester. They changed they it the semester. I took the second one. one. Like, like I was taking the second one and they announced, oh, yeah, you don't have yeah. to do it anymore. And I was like, what the? Yeah. So actually that reminds me of something. Um, a lot of times when people are talking about going to college, they're like, oh, you should go to a uh, community college for the first couple of years. And unfortunately with architecture, at least with the program at KU, no you way. can't think, really I think do Johnson that County very easily. Has, there's, they like replicated our schedule for the first year, but that's it. Yeah, so there might be a handful of community colleges where that's an opportunity, but generally they don't yeah, have no, architecture at programs. At least not that in um, And you, with architecture, you get involved with the with you know classes specific to your major on like the first day. Yeah. So you can't do that two years. But what I will say is take a look at the classes in your program because you don't have to take all of them through. Yeah. The school you're going to. So what I'm thinking now is all of these, you know, what we call a KU, KU core classes, basically just your gen eds that aren't relevant okay. to architecture. I'm just doing all of them through community college. I'm saving like at least a thousand, depending oh, on the semester, a couple yeah, thousand so dollars transfer all those year. In. So exactly. So just keep in mind, some schools will have like a, a maximum number of credits you can transfer in. But definitely keep that as an option. Don't think that right. you have to it's take usually, all your classes. It's a lot of credits. School. It's like I think KU's is like sixty or something like that. So it's like that's a lot of credits you can transfer. Yeah, in. I think I think it's oh, so. So definitely, when you're applying for schools, yeah. have that. I think that's something I didn't have them back in my head until I started looking. Like literally through the first semester, I still was like, oh, what should I do over the summer? Maybe I should take some classes through KU online. But then, that somebody mentioned Barton at kansas and i was like oh i have to like i have to do that there's it was what 300 no 150 per credit yeah it was the physics class which is, yeah which is crazy so compared much, to maybe yeah. like 350 or 400 per credit at ku and then add all the um fees on top of that exactly so many um, more fees but yeah definitely for students yeah. who are listening who will or are thinking about architecture school or in their first year second year online 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 for a lot of those gen eds Course, so it may, it, yeah, for me, it's been that more classes too. So, yeah, another thing I'll say is just kind of as you're starting to think about you know planning out your college years, plan on taking some classes during the summer. Um, it might not be fun, but at least you know, with the mentors that I've talked to, they all say that you know, the fewer classes you can have in your fourth and fifth year, the better because that's when you yep. really produce your most quality work. And so you want to have as much time to dedicate to that. Um, exactly. That's what's really going to go in your portfolio. And yeah, I think, I think next semester, job, so. I think the next two semesters are technically a full 18 for me, but two of those classes each semester are going to be business classes. So that's not really a full 18. <laughs> yeah. 
But I think <laughs> I think something I want to hit on too, yeah. what we talked about previously was that like some of these classes we think that they really don't matter or like we're not learning anything. And that's true for a lot of my classes that I have taken for sure. But I think there was a point in my education in architecture where I was like, I need to take these classes, I'm paying for them. I need to take them a little more seriously and learn what I can. And sh sure, maybe some of it won't apply to architecture, but it's still learning something about the world. Useful things. There, there's always useful things. So have your ear out open for that um, because there could be something that pops up that you might use later in your career that could be really important for a project. I, like I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so I, I don't know, just have people. Well, yeah. no, architecture, go ahead. Architecture wide field you can take you can exactly. take different information from so many different things like, oh well, I, I think another, another thing so. that at least ku's trying is trying to do is the classes each semester they build on top of each other so all the classes you're taking are going to yeah. help they're all going to like kind of link together and help help yep. you, uh, with the other classes yeah, that's that's a good point. Actually, a lot of the classes that you'll take in like your first year, you're going to look on it and think, oh, this is so pointless. I'm never going to use this information. And you might not explicitly go back and think about a specific time in that class. But that stuff that you're learning in those classes, subconsciously, it probably exactly. in some form yes. or another will yeah. help. So exactly. And let's, so that leads into kind of what classes should new architecture students be expecting um, and that we can talk about, like we have structures, obviously we have, uh, environmental systems, um, like things where you learn about HVAC and you learn about all these systems that go into a building. You obviously want to know the structure, um, graphic, re some graphic representation classes. There's program classes where you learn about Photoshop and illustrator and all those awesome programs that we use all the time. Um, but what, I think what? The, the main requirement, I mean, obviously it depends on university again, but definitely a lot of theory. Um, if you go to a university that focuses on that more, which yep. is what we've kind of experienced. Um, that obviously structures, you have to be prepared to go through structures. I know most of us are in architecture and to, to like avoid being engineers, but you're going to have to do some math there, unfortunately. Um, which, you know, is kind of hard, uh, at least that yeah. first semester that we did structures with the second semester. Um, I figured it out a lot better, but um, yeah. And yeah, I'm, honestly, though, that that reminds me, I think that there's there's a fairly big misconception that architects have to no. be super good <laughs> at math. But the truth is that at this point, like it, it it really did used to be that way because the architect would like do the engineering yeah. like a lot more himself for big projects. There's always been dedicated engineers, I think. But um, nowadays for just about every project, even a house, just like a small house, usually there'll be a, a separate yeah. structural engineer that does the math. And so like, you still need to be competent with it, but um, you don't need to be like yeah. a I god at Calc 2 or anything Calc to be an architect. One, so. <laughs> You know, oh yeah, you don't have calc. to take calc, it's, right? You can take at least at University of Kansas. Yeah, they, the, the advisor. So the first day when I went in to sign up for my classes, the advisor <laughs> he bamboozled us. He yeah. he signed us up for calc, calc one, and 
only later find out we had to that take, like, a I remember that rudimentary <laughs> math class because it was like this really basic <laughs> math class or calc yeah, yep. and the alternative class that you can take is intro <laughs> to math topics. Calc one or intro to math topics. Yeah. When we signed so, up for classes, the advisor yeah, goes, that, Oh, you took calc in high school. You should take it again. Why would I want to take it again? <laughs> yeah. I'll also say though, be very careful when kind of deviating from what your advisor recommends be very careful to actually make yes. sure that you're still going to meet all the requirements because what you don't want to do is get into your fifth year and realize that you changed classes for something else you thought would work. You're done. And now Things all of a sudden change. you're missing it. You're not getting your architecture license ever. So. <laughs> but no, that's good. So, and so then another topic that we were discussing before we started the show uh, was mentors in education and what that kind of has looked like for us and what that should look like for students um, that are going into architecture or even currently in architecture um, because it's it's so easy to have mentors around you but it's hard at first because you don't know what the school's like you don't know everyone there yeah. and it's it's a whole new world it's college but it's arch it's and then besides college it's architecture school which is a whole nother beast. And so for me, at least, I plugged in with Kapila, and that's because I joined an organization. What was it called? MASP? Yeah, Multicultural Architecture. Yep. And so just in um, general, just program. start joining different organizations or different things that are connected to your school or to, um, to your program in specific, because then that's how you start meeting people. That's how you start talking. That's how I met my first mentor. Then I started meeting the older students and they really helped me. Uh, but we were, me, jo Jordan and Aaron were talking earlier is that all these text messages were going and it's like, oh, one older student has this class and one older student has this studio. And that doesn't really work because it's not a personal relationship at that point. It's just, oh, I'm here. Can I help out? And students are younger students are afraid to say anything. Um, but I think when you get into school, one, don't be afraid. It's going to be hard because don't be intimidated. Yeah, we, every, everyone wants you guys. And that's going to happen. You're going to be intimidated. But I think that schools and for us as older students and whatever older students might be listening now, and even those who are practicing, um, there's ways for us to get into personal relationships with those who are younger and to keep those to keep knowing that we will help them a lot in their beginning years. Um, and so we need to keep those ties, but then they also need to reach out. Younger students who are listening, you guys need to reach out. Uh, you need to text them. You need to get their emails, do whatever it takes to meet up with them once every two weeks, once every, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a pattern that starts. And I don't know what you guys think about it too, yeah. but. Yeah. I mean, ultimately architecture, yeah. that's kind of like how architecture works. Like there's, it's such wide field that you are not going to learn even like 10% mm -hmm. of everything that you need to know in school. You're going to learn so much more out of school. And so how does that learning out of school happen? It, by, you know, relationships and talking with people on the job and asking for help. So the sooner you can get comfortable um, going out and asking for help and, and just talking about um, the different problems you're having, the better is that's that's how the professional world is going to work. Yeah, definitely. At least that's but been my experience. I, so far. I think at least in 
KU, at, or at least at KU, they've tried to set up some mentorship um, programs. There was one when we were freshmen that was that they tried, but it that didn't work very well because it was like it was one person assigned to our studio, yes. and she she was there like the first or second day or something. Yeah, it, that, that didn't work out. Yeah, no that that, that didn't work. We heard <laughs> for a couple times that was it. Yeah, I was I was in a different studio as Jarrett and Jordan, but the same thing happened to me as uh, the guy came in, introduced himself on like the first or second day or whatnot. I mean, I probably saw him around the halls again. Exactly. But yeah. Other than that, I didn't see and, him. And they, the they've tried the to start it back up again, and I don't think it's. I think it just hasn't worked as well. Yep. Um, yeah, it's been but not better by, like, than it was lot. my freshman year, but it's still. Yeah. <laughs> It's still um, got a ways to go, you know, and I think I kind of uh, we, we kind of talked about it where it's like, I think I don't know if they purposely do this, but um, at least in KU, it seems like based on your year, you're all grouped into like a same um, kind of pod of classrooms, you know, um, so like we're all kind of um distance separate from each other so you don't even really get an interaction with older students yep you know um you kind of only really know those in your in your own studio and maybe some other people in your grade because you have other classes with them or you bump into them somehow exactly and i think one of the biggest deterrents is time like oh i'm i'm an older student i'm working on my project like i can't reach out right now i can't it's hard for me to get to them and then the younger students are swamped with being in architecture school for the first time and they're freaking out and doing all night yeah, they're, they're pooping their pants and they forget yeah they forget about these things uh, but i think that my goal and our goal for this podcast is to inform these students that that is more important than that than that time in the moment because it's gonna it's gonna translate into more in the future and I think that's you'll, you'll get you'll get faster at things and whatnot. But. Exactly. But even in the sense of having the mentors, an older mentor or mentoring a younger student, that is so important and crucial. Mm-hmm. And you're helping somebody's career yeah. at that point, basically. Yeah. Um, so I think that's and really that, yeah, those relationships can go beyond school. Exactly. Right? In the professional world. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's how a lot of people end up getting in and getting jobs. It's how yeah, well, that's 100% what happens. Yeah. Um, so those, those relationships are, are really important, but I don't know if there is a better way to set up the mentorship program. I know it's kind of, I think you kind of have to do it volu- volunteer wise, but I was wondering if like, instead of having all the years in like one specific area of the building, if you like intermixed them and you like, cause I know the way we do it is third years, mentor first years and fourth years, mentors, mentor second years. Yeah. So if you're to like on one because the way KU's building is set up, there's like one big hallway and then on either end of them, there's like a pot of classrooms. So if you like on one in one classroom, you had a fourth year studio and then right next door or across um, the pod, there's a second year. And like that wow. fourth year studio is assigned to that second year studio as like a mentor studio. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to force, you know, all the fourth years to mentor the other studio but you know whoever volunteers in there can go talk to them or like be at the reviews look at their work they 
let them know if they have if any of the second years have questions about things they can um come over and and ask at any time because exactly in architecture you know you're always people someone's always in in studio so so he's always in the studio and always it's always oh what do you think of this real quick let me let me bounce (laughs) this idea off of you real quick and that's so key in our and well it one in the education and two in the profession and that that definitely needs to be honed in on more at KU at least. And even my school, I don't see it as much. I don't know how it is at other schools, but mentorship is so important and key. Well, you guys have a little bit of a unique thing, right? You have the professional thing. Yeah, that's that's something we'll definitely talk about when we get into practice. But, well, in the sense of... You can probably mention it now. Yeah, that's true because as students you should also be reaching out to other firms, other professionals. If you if you have a family member that knows an architect or whatnot, reach out to them, talk to them, get their opinion. And so with, uh, I was telling Jordan and Aaron, with CU Denver, they have a specific mentorship program for practitioners in the area. So these architects sign up with CU Denver and then we get assigned one. We, we fill out this form, we say, oh, we're looking, we're interested in big firms, we're interested in small firms, we wanna learn new programs, we wanna go look at job sites. It's whatever we need and then we mat- get matched up accordingly. And so I got paired up with one guy from this firm called Hangar 41, it was in Denver and I had kombucha with him uh, one <laughs> two weeks. And we talked about my projects. He helped me with my design ideas and pushed me in amazing ways. Um, but then also helped me look at like what the work that he's doing, what the problems he sees in the profession, what he goes through on a daily basis. And it's just having those conversations with somebody who is way more experienced than you um, and who has been out of the education for a while and has been in practice for a while. And that really helps a student grow in a whole nother way sense in a whole nother area and now yeah. i have a new mentor and he's from another firm and so now i have another connection but then i have another set of eyes or mind that can help me see things differently too um and so i think architecture is all about how, how like sure you have your own vision yeah. as yourself because you're your own designer but how do you apply other ways that people see things and how do you yeah. take all those things into your own um, so I think that's really important as well. So find me- and at KU it might be it's a little different because all the firms are in Kansas City. Forty five yeah, minutes. Yeah, like you're, you're in Denver, right? And I'm all downtown. the architects are in Denver, but like Kansas yep. City is an hour away from Lawrence. Exactly. Right? But then, so that's a bit harder. But exactly. there are there are some firms in Lawrence too. But I don't know if there's enough architects yep. at those firms to accommodate all the students at KU. But then here's the thing. I mean, now with COVID happening, and now with Zoom and remote. Yeah access being important now i think those mentorship things can be expanded to include zoom and facetime or whatnot like you you don't have to be yeah. by the firm to do that and sure you could go visit once a month if you want you could go do I was gonna say, and it's like if it's only virtual do those connections become as meaningful yeah and that's that's the other thing but at that at that point it's what information do you learn too yeah um, so i think it would be a trial and error for sure but Mentor, mentors, both professional-wise and student-wise, is important. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to drill in, for sure. Yeah. And obviously, you know, some universities can do Absolutely. one thing better yeah. than the other, right? Because, like we said, mm-hmm. Lawrence is not kind of near Kansas City, but yep. you guys are uniquely have the opportunity to get those professional architects right in Denver. 
you exactly. Know, they can just drive down to the school, or you can go and drive I, and meet them at their firm, yeah. walk down the street or whatever. You know, I, I took the train. It was great. <laughs> I loved it. But I think that it leads into um, what we learn in the educate in the architectural education and how that translate translates into practice. Because I think part of my frustration was when I started in my firm, at least, I. A lot of things I was doing, I never even learned in school. I never even thought about, and it was just I was yeah. Basically, quite... none of what you learn transfers to the, like some of the basic, like obviously design, designing, and like the concept part does, but that's exactly. about it. And, but then you have these <laughs> contracts, and you have these developers coming in, and you have the the construction team you have to work with, and the clients, and you like you don't know how to work with a client in school other than yeah talking like i mean at that point it's just communication but i think what's important and i don't know how ku does it but at cu denver they have a class um that's called like arch architectural education in practice or something like that um we have a what's ours aaron isn't it like ethics or business ethics or something yeah that's good yeah, I have you guys taken that yet, or is it coming up? In professional We're taking it next semester. Okay, yeah, my, mine's coming up too. But it's I think up. that class is important, and you really have to take that one into account because then it starts showing you things that happen in the real world. Mm -hmm. uh, because they're so the, it's not like you're in the studio all the time. You're not just designing and going through. Oh, la -di -da, no. my project looks beautiful. Let's go. <laughs> no, that's not how it works at all. There's so many other things that happen, <laughs> and, but then it requires a team and everything. And that's another thing I would love to talk about, uh, like partner projects in school. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but I think, yeah. What, what else do you guys see trans? What are the positives from architectural education so far that have translated into your practice work life so far? Um, well, since we're kind of like interns, we don't, you know, we don't get the freedom to, de to design and get involved on that end a whole lot, you know? Yep. Um, for, for obvious reasons, but, um, I think that'll certainly translate in that. And, you know, the thing is in school, you get, um, you know, pretty free reign on how to design and, uh, your concept, right. Cause you don't have to work with a budget, but, you know, just having that, um, more of an open mind, not being influenced by things like a budget, um, actually kind of translates well where it's like you can think more outside the box, whereas they may not be thinking outside the box as much as are worried about other things. But yep. I'm trying to think other things that have translated. Um, I think kind of spatial reasoning definitely think, has, because, you oh, know, we were, we were reworking some floor plans um, for, um, for a project when like last year at my internship. Um, so that kind of helped a little bit. I think the other thing is that it really, yeah. part of what school yep. teaches you is just critical thinking and problem solving. And like, just in a very general way and thinking about, um, you know, these yeah, spaces yeah. and whatnot. And that translates very well because I mean, that's half of what architecture is just being able to research and figure out a solution to, I think another thing, a wide variety of off that is like, um, um, you know, the, the way Kapila describes it is like a, to have a, like a design taste or he talks about having a good taste for renderings and things like that. 
um, a lot of um, renderings um, yeah. for them last summer, like the last half of it. Um, so having that experience of using a rendering program and yep. having experience doing renderings and having feedback on them and like what's what works and what doesn't. Um, so having that knowledge translated well. I think that goes beyond just renderings too. Yeah. That goes beyond just renderings too. I think overall, just in general design, you know, any kind of graphical representation, anything just, you know, if I look at what I thought was good work from my freshman year to work now, there's a huge, huge gap. Um, just because I've surrounded myself in school with so much work and kind of this, just working through things and discerning what's good and what's not, I know that I can, you know, figure out what's good and what's not a lot better, a lot more quickly um, exactly. now. And yeah. that, that will also translate really things. well. Um, obviously, some practice. people's varies. Yeah, because you have to make decisions. Yeah, but you have to make those decisions in the, um, in the, you know, in the office pretty quickly. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to be spending four yeah. hours trying to figure out which line weight to use. You need to no, know it right that, off that's the top the thing of your head because, like, um, um, that doesn't necessarily translate to the, um, pro, like the professional world because it's like we don't we don't work that fast, right? In in school, you know, where our projects at least now they take take a whole semester. To design, um, like to design, to design yeah, yeah. They design things very rapidly. Yeah, the design happens quick, and then it's CDs and it's it's implementing all the yeah, subcontractors yeah. and all the they teams. ED pretty quick, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they they kind of the it's kind of flipped on you. Like the design happens really quick, and then you spend way more time on the the details. Whereas in school, it's the opposite. You but that's a lot of time on the conceptual. Yep. And then but that definitely helps you with, hammer out those as you do that throughout school, my... you go studio after studio designing, <laughs> you become quicker at, at feeling out a project or the design of it or what this looks like or what these doors could look like or how big this space is. So that all becomes quicker. So then once you get into practice, once you're out of school, that, that the design does happen quick. Yeah. I think another thing that's that I don't know if it's necessarily translate yet because again Absolutely, we're not yeah. doing too much design, but I think iteration will definitely mm -hmm. translate pretty quick. So you have to be able to do a lot of iterations really quick. I think we kind of already touched on that, but yeah. Yep. I think for me, a one project that comes in mind where we submitted a proposal for an airport project at Denver. And the conceptual part of it, we had to submit a conceptual, like two renderings and a floor plan or something like that. And from the time that we got signed the contract with uh, our client to the time that the proposal was due was, I think, less than two weeks. And we had to get a full design out because Denver is what they do is they take that and you barely make any, if they pick you, you barely make any changes and you're running with the CDs at that point once they pick you so what you design what you propose is almost close to what it's going to be but it was really cool being part of that because part of the team i got to help with a lot of the decisions and then how we're going to present the renderings how we're going to present the floor plans and that all happened in two weeks but it, it all i was able to handle that and do it with a team because school helped prepare me for that 
and I'm not even done with school yet. So yeah, guess, yeah that's kind of getting into the deep stuff there, but that that's for a different yeah, that was podcast. deep. Absolutely, my, my bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's good. A little teaser, I guess. Yep. But then I think another <laughs> general part of it too is yeah, graphic representation, like we were saying. So. I don't, like Jordan is saying, he works on renderings. I work on a lot of renderings at my firm, and I'm able to show those to clients to sell our vision, to sell what we see their project uh, looking like, and that's really important. But then also the Adobe Suites, all those projects, are uh, all those programs, Illustrator, um, Photoshop, what's the other one, InDesign. InDesign we use those in practice because we have to have presentations. We have to show things graphically and in school you learn that you you basically learn that trial by fire yeah well you do other schools actually teach that stuff but yeah yeah you learn like that yeah well that's something KU is trying to get better at um this past semester was yeah it was this past semester that they implemented a um a intro to design computation class is what they called it um and yeah so and i actually ta'd for the class and what we went over in it was um some basic photoshop and indesign skills um we talked about revit and then we did a little bit of rendering although i i'm a little we used 3ds max for the rendering portion of it and the industry is quickly moving away from that so i don't know if that's really all that beneficial anymore but revit and photoshop and indesign all of those yeah, I think are it's very important that you get a hang of those programs better so no i guess for anybody who's yeah so anybody who's like thinking about coming into architecture and if you want to get ahead on the programs learn those those and three, those four programs are you're, you're guaranteed going to use those yeah if you know revit programs are a bit optional Yeah, and if you can prove that you can use those exactly. programs, it shows well, that it you can model. It shows that you can time to get take a design from somebody's head and put that into a computer. Yeah, you know, because what firms looking for the most help on is like little things in Revit. They, but knowing the Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign, you know that you can help with like marketing things or mm-hmm. graphic representation for um, presentations they're doing. You know, so. Yeah. No, 100%. That's great. Um, in terms of uh, trying to think of what else we need to talk about in general, I think you guys um, have any other topics? I guess to go on top of the trial by fire thing, um, KU does, they, they do technically teach that graphical representation stuff. It's just not required. They have... Um, we have an elective that you can take that I took um, last fall. I forget what the exact name of it is, but they we call it the portfolio class, and it's taught by um, this architect at Populous. And he he went to KU, but he he is like obsessed with graphical representation, and he's super super good at it. Um, at like every level, you know, like floor plans, elevation sections diagrams renderings i mean he's he's really good at that stuff and that's like his job at populous is being a that's designer those things but 
Um, I learned a lot from that. You know, that's where I got a lot more practice in Photoshop and Illustrator and in design in producing those graphics and um, laying it out in a portfolio. Um, that really helped me develop, as we talked about my, I guess, taste in, in those things. Yeah. Um, you know, what looks good and how to convey um, not only your represent your project well, but convey the ideas of it within your representation. Yep. So, look, yep. I guess look for those things too. No, hundred percent. I had one more thing I wanted to touch on. Can't remember it now. You didn't write it down. Nope. This one I did not write out. Oh, let's yeah, let's talk about kind of the future of education, where we see it going, or what it should include uh, more, because it's it's hard kind of seeing other architecture schools do completely different things. Um, and so what's the right way? What's the future? Um, I mean, there is no right way. That's for sure. I don't think there's one right way. I think that's the thing with architecture. There's no one right way. Yep. Mm. You know, it's a two plus two equals four equation right there. And, you know, it's, yeah. You know, there's so many different ways to do it um, and to do it well, right? Yep. But, but then, architects. Yep. And then the other thing is, architecture yeah. and technology advanced so quickly and so what architects learned five ten years ago is different than what we're learning now or what we're using now in education maybe the basis of it the foundation of architecture is all the same yeah, the foundation is always the same but the, it's always the same but the it's it's the new things that are happening mm -hmm. um, and like how do we keep up with that because architects have have to deal with two worlds the past the pro well three worlds, past, present, and the future, thinking about what's happening, what's going to happen, what's going to change. And you always have to be on your tip, tippy toes just to be ready for that. So I think like architectural education is going to start drifting towards, uh, there's going to be more computer classes, there's going to be more training and uh, things of that nature. And it's not going to be all about drawing or using your hand, things of that nature, because it's all about, you know, there's 3D printing, there's laser cutting, all this stuff is happening. So I don't know what that looks like. I, th I think in architecture, those mm -hmm. things will always be there and drawing yep. and building. Yeah. Um, although I think they'll diminish a little bit. Um, yeah. But I, at the end of the day, you need to be able to um, sketch out your ideas and communicate oh, yeah. that way. Yep. Uh, yes. Sketching has been the language of architects for as long as architects have been a thing. And I think it will stay that way for a long time yep. because the fact of the matter is there's nothing else yeah, that can convey so an I idea think, as quickly as a quick sketch. I think there probably so, need to be more of an emphasis on computers and teaching people how to use computers and things like that. Um, I think virtually, um, like communicating virtually, that might be a thing you need to put more emphasis on because especially with um, the pandemic and everything and people going online, that's forced us as students to communicate virtually, especially with our professors, mm -hmm. which is not something we're used to be used to doing, but that's even, you know, not in the pandemic, that's how it works a lot in the, in the professional world. You have to communicate virtually because, you know, you can't, your, your engineers don't work in the same building you do, you know, it could be in it across the country and you have to be able to, Exactly. Them. 
and communicate your ideas there. Um, you know, some, I don't think client meetings are usually in person, but, um, obviously with the pandemic, they've had to be virtually. So you have to be able to present to your client virtually and communicate effectively there. In a quick Um, and efficient way. And you have to learn new pro like, cause there's there's a whole new set of programs for online. And and if you have an iPad or if you have a laptop and you want to share your PDF, then you can't draw on it. And you want to show yeah. a drawing that you had. It's like all the switching back and forth. But what drawing tool... on a different person's screen, right? Because you can't do the trace paper thing in person. Exactly. You on your screen, you have to like get control of it. And, yeah. And that can slow things down. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's so important to be versatile. Like it's good to know the programs that we use. But beyond that, you have to be you know, teachable and be able to learn new things quickly as well. So, and that's part of why I think Mm -hmm. that computer classes need to be taught at least a little bit more, at least at KU is like, it's one thing to know Revit and Mm -hmm. Photoshop, but what happens when a new program comes out and your firm all of a sudden wants to use it and you're horrible at picking up a new program, (laughs) it's not going to be a good look for you. That's very true. Well, other than that, do you guys have any last thoughts before we get off? General thing. Not really. I think we I think we pretty much covered all the things that we wanted to talk about today, and and we'll have yeah, more really episodes in the future that we can oh, into go into more depth weeds. on a lot of the things that we've talked about. <laughs> oh, okay, <but> so. <laughs> simmer down there. But yeah, so our next episode will be about <laughs> practice in general and what we see so far. And then Which after that, we'll, lot, we're gonna we want to talk. We definitely want to talk about COVID and the time now and what the practice and education might look like with all this online learning and um, online direction. So that'll be a good you have more experience with that right now because you're actively working. But I guess yeah, that's more Aaron and I will figure figure. You guys, will, yep, you guys will get to learn. But awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, be sure to yep. like and subscribe to our podcast, give it a five-star rating, Uh, please and thank you.